you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. It is good to be back after my brief hiatus, and I just want to thank you guys so much for your patience. I know I haven't released any new episodes in the last two weeks, and so today I am here to talk a little bit more about the darker side of spirituality. I want to dive and explore the differences between a demonologist and a demonolator. But before I do, I would like to give you guys a fair warning, as the topic of today might be a little bit too heavy for some, because although I am here to provide information for you guys, and although I would love for you guys to stay and acquire more knowledge, I can understand if some of you are more spiritually inclined to sit this one out. And that might be due to your own personal beliefs. Energy is real. And you may believe that you might call upon these demons and their darker aspects by simply listening. Because by listening, You are paying attention. That's your currency. You are giving energy. And, as most of you already know, demons must be invited in. And so keep in mind that there is always that possibility. Alright, we will begin with a few key terms. Demonology Demonology is basically the study of demons. A demonologist is a person who studies the demons. And this includes every kind of recorded demon throughout history and across different cultures. Because demons as you may or may not know, are not exclusive to Christianity. For example, Islam has the jinn, who are said to have been created after the angels, but before the humans out of smokeless fire. Not only do they dwell on a different plane of existence, but they're also known to inhabit abandoned buildings, deserts, and cemeteries. And some of the powers that are attributed to them are invisibility, showing themselves only to whom they select, mind reading, and of course, human possession. The Japanese have the Oni, which is kind of like an ogre type or troll type of demon, and or Yukai, which is more of a ghost 
slash monster slash goblin type of demon. Thailand has the Yaksha, and these types of demons are known to be more of nature spirits with scary faces and are known to protect temples so they can either guard and or haunt you. The Jewish have the Shadim, the Russians have Chorts, and that's C-H-O-R-T-S, and are very similar to the Christian demons that have horns, hooves, and tails. And some native tribes have the Wendigo, which is said to be an evil spirit who devours mankind in the wintertime. He consumes humans who have committed the sin of cannibalism, selfishness, and or gluttony. As far as appearances go, the Wendigo has been described in many ways, but some of the most common traits include being extremely tall, up to 15 feet tall, being a humanoid creature with pale or ash gray skin, and have long, jagged, and yellow teeth with long tongues as well. And of course, they also give off a foul scent of death and decay, and are known to let out a loud and terrifying shriek before attacking their prey. And so, a great demonologist has to be familiar with many types of demons. And this includes knowing their origin, their gender, their ethnic background, what religion they exist in, what geographical area in the world does it dwell in, what do they look like, and or what have they been described as, what are their sigils, and of course, what supernatural powers and or other attributes do they possess. You see, demonology is just as important to those who are devoutly religious as it is to those who are seeking control of them for their own purposes. Because understanding the nature of demons can help a person protect themselves from their influence. But of course, I do have to state that just because demons today are currently associated with evil spirits, it doesn't necessarily mean that all demons are evil. Some are just neutral. For example, some jinn, the Islamic demons. Some of those jinns are neutral. And or the Yaksha from Thailand, because they serve to protect and guard temples. You see, a demonologist has a greater understanding of what demons are and how they came to be. If you go back to ancient times, to ancient civilizations such as Mesopotamia or Sumeria, you'll find that demons were more of personifications of diseases, famine, fears and desires, and world events. It was a way to better understand these natural forces. And so we gave them names and attributed them powers. And so 
fast forward a couple of years to when monotheistic religion was on the rise, demons became demonized. They needed to be bad because God was good and almighty and they were allowed to be powerful but not more powerful than God. And that's how we ended up with this whole demonic world and hierarchy. Remember the episode of the Seven Princes of Hell, a hierarchy classified by Peter Binsfield? If you don't, that's okay. We'll briefly go over them. Each prince was associated with the sin. Lucifer was associated with pride. Mammon was associated with greed. Leviathan was associated with envy. Asmodeus was associated with lust. Beelzebub with gluttony, Satan with wrath, and Belphegor with sloth. So, if you were feeling lazy and did absolutely nothing with your day, it's not your fault. You are simply being influenced by the Prince of Hell, Belphegor. He made you do it. Or in this case, made you not do anything. Case solved and closed. Consider yourselves lucky though, because we were just talking about being influenced. Possession, on the other hand, well, that's a different story. According to the Catholic religion, a demonologist can help determine whether or not possession is actually taking place because they know how to bring a demon out and they know how to speak to demons. But it is very important that I do stress that they cannot perform an exorcism. Only a qualified and assigned priest can do that. As a matter of fact, Catholic exorcists require that in order to become a demonologist, they meet certain criteria. Firstly, they must be called by God to do the work. In other words, it's not something that you choose, but rather it's chosen for you. Perhaps you have the gift to be able to see between both the physical and spiritual realms. Or perhaps you've had experiences with demons, whether that be through nightmares, sleep paralysis, or spiritual attacks. Secondly, you must have special supernatural protection and intervention from God. You must also work under a legitimate church guidance and authority. You have to be willing to give your life and will to God. You have to be of a mature age because they believe that the work is unhealthy for the young especially if their minds are still developing. I can't see many demonologists being 23 years of age, let's put it that way. And lastly, they must work in charity and without selfish motives for attention, fame, and or power. So, in other words, your motivation and or intentions to become a demonologist must be pure. 
But these are just the Catholic exorcist requirements to become a demonologist. If demons interest you and fascinate you, don't feel discouraged by these requirements. There's nothing stopping you from learning everything there is about them. In the beginning of this episode, we learned a few key terms. We learned what demonology is, which is the study of demons, and what a demonologist is, which is a person who studies demons. The next key terms I'd like to present you with are demonolatry and demonolator. Demonolatry is the worship of demons, and a demonolator is a person who worships demons. It's very easy to confuse a demonologist with a demonolator and use these words interchangeably, but as you can clearly see, they are two distinct and separate things. A demonolator practices the act of calling on these pure energy forces known as demons to obtain help with self-knowledge and spiritual growth through the use of ritual magic. And so for a theistic demonolator, demons are very much real. So in a way, demonolatry is a religion of the self. So here, people do the great work, inner work, self-work, in order to evolve spiritually. It's about discovering and learning about our own personal and divine power. And demons are just a personification and or an embodiment of an emotion and or idea, consciousness. So for example, like Leviathan, he is one of the seven princes of hell who is associated with envy and emotion. So you can work with Leviathan to help you understand when and why he presents himself within you when he does. Why do you feel envious when, insert situation here, but there are also prayers, there are sigils, there are rituals that the demonolator can perform to help them do this work. And that is why the majority of these demonolators call upon these energies. And so I hope that this episode was helpful in the better understanding between the differences of a demonologist and a demonolator. And remember, whether or not you believe in demons, these energies are very much real. And they, well, they believe in you. And if you have any questions, or if there's any feedback, or if there's simply anything else that you wish to share with me, you can always reach me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com. Or you can friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb, 
and or on TikTok. Same handle, lauralavender.mb. Also, don't forget to check out the website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast by listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode. <laughs>